grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her. And for her life he died. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, these words are about you. These words are about Christians, the baptized. You are the bride of Christ. You are the creation of God. You are the holy Christian church. So, when you think about the holy Christian church, we have to admit, don't we? Doesn't always look very holy. Doesn't always look very Christian. Doesn't even look sometimes like a church. Instead of love and peace and unity, we see division and strife and backbiting, pride on steroids, hubris, chutzpah, whatever name you can come up with, rather than the qualities that God calls us to. We heard it at the end of our gospel reading. Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility is a gift of God. Humility is something that God loves to see in his church. Without humility, there can be no unity. Where pride rules the day, there will only be division. With these thoughts in mind, dear baptized, we turn to the epistle reading. Ephesians 4. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to us about the unity that we have in Christ Jesus and how from this unity flows humility and love. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul is urging you and me and the entire Christian church to walk the Christian walk. There are many places in Scripture where God's Word teaches us that the Christian life is like a walk. 
It's like a journey. Psalm 1 especially teaches us that we are blessed when we walk in the way of righteousness rather than walking in the way of evil and wickedness. One side is blessed, the other side is cursed. Walk the way God wants you to walk. Specifically here, we are being taught to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Now, generally, when we speak about a call in the church, we are talking in a very narrow sense. The divine call of a pastor into the office of the holy ministry. But we can see that call in a wider sense as well. You, dear Christian, have been called, divinely called, in the waters of holy baptism to be a Christian. This is your walk. This is your primary vocation. And from this vocation as Christian flow all of the other vocations that God has given you. Husband, wife, student, employer, neighbor, church member. The list goes on and on and on. All of the different hats that you wear. Your vocation. All of them flow from your calling as a Christian. This is your walk. And what should your walk look like? Well, it should be characterized by humility. Humility. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Pride. Nobody has to teach you how to be proud, sinfully proud. It comes natural. Your old Adam or Eve loves to exalt you above others. To build yourself up by tearing other people down. To turn the gifts that God has given you into idols where you place your hope and trust. Humility is just the opposite. Realizing that all we are and all we have are gifts from God. We are but managers or stewards of the gifts that God has given us, including all the vocations that He has placed us into. My friends, humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Is this how we treat one another? Sometimes. Maybe when we want to get something, we're nice, we're loving, we're caring, we're patient. What about when no one is looking? Who are we? Does this characterize us? 
humility and gentleness, love and peace? What about when you are anonymously behind the keyboard? Well, maybe not so much. My friends, God is teaching us today that to walk the Christian walk in this humble walk that he calls us to means that we should treat others the same way God has treated us. How has God treated you? With mercy. He doesn't give you what you deserve. And so we, in turn, should treat one another with mercy, especially those of the household of faith. Cut people some slack. Put the best construction on everything. Encourage rather than tear down. Maybe the, the, the first words out of our mouth could be a little less harsh and condemning. That's what God is calling us to. Because where this humility is, and this humility overflows in mercy and love and peace and gentleness, there divisions will be healed. There God's gift of unity will be restored and that's what he wants. Divisions are all around us. We know it. We have divisions in the world. We have divisions in politics. We have divisions in economics. We have divisions in science. We have divisions in our community. We have divisions in our own heart. We have divisions in our family. They come easy and they come naturally because sin comes easy and sin comes naturally. But our God... The one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God of unity. And unity is His true desire. Verse 3 says that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity is not something we create. Unity is a gift from God. Unity is a gift from God the Holy Spirit. All we can do is mess it up. And so God calls us to keep or maintain the unity that He has given us. That He creates and sustains among us. Seems like a tall order, doesn't it? We're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to not mess up the unity that God has given us. My friends, how do we do this? How do we do all these things and walk the walk that God wants us to walk? Go to the Christian bookstore and, and enroll in a new 12-step program? Listen to Christian radio 24-7? Maybe that'll do it. My friends, 
You cannot pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and walk the walk that God would have you walk. In fact, walking the Christian walk, maintaining this God-given unity flows from the church and the church's talk. What does the church talk about? Well, depends on the church, I suppose. You have lots of divisions there too, not much unity. You have different churches, you have different denominations, you have different divisions inside of a denomination, you have different divisions inside of your own local congregation. Remember, they come easy. They come natural. But the talk of the church that sustains this God-given unity, the talk of the church that creates humility and love and mercy among us and puts that sinful pride to death is the talk of God's Word. You don't come to church to talk about the Huskers. At least you shouldn't. You don't come to church to talk primarily about how hot or how cold or the color of the carpet. You don't come to church to talk about other people. You come to church to hear the church's talk. And the church's talk is the Bible, the Word of God, the law which shows us our sin and condemns us, the gospel which shows us our Savior and builds us up, forgiving our sins, strengthening us for the journey. My friends, this is the talk of the church. This is where true unity is found. The Apostle Paul describes this unity of the Spirit this way. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Seven ones. Seven ones. Do you think God wants us to take note of that word one? The unity that He is and gives and maintains? You better believe it. The church the church is one. The church is one. There is one body. That body is the Holy Christian Church. We might say the Holy Catholic Church because it is universal. There is one church. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. I look around and I see dozens 
of different churches right here in our own town. My friends, we walk by faith, not by sight. What we see is a divided church. What we see are divisions inside of the church. What God promises, what God declares to be true is one church. You may not be able to see it, but I guarantee you, you know where it is. God's Word teaches us that wherever His Word is proclaimed in its truth and purity, and the gifts of God, His holy sacraments, are administered according to the command and promise of God, there is the church. You can be sure that you are a member of the holy Christian church, not by what you see, but by what God's Word says. Do you believe that you are a sinner condemned by God's holy law? Do you believe that you are saved from condemnation by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that God has delivered Good Friday and Easter to you in the waters of holy baptism? Do you believe that your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake and not on account of your works? My friends, if you believe that, you are a member of the church. And the church, even though we may not see it, the church is one. One body, one spirit. We're not talking about some like inner spirit that moves me to write a beautiful poem. We're talking about God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is dripping in these seven ones. God the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son to point us to the completed work of Jesus. The Spirit who moved people to write the Holy Scripture for us. The Spirit who moves us by the power of the Word to do good works. And those good works include living a humble, merciful, gentle, peaceful life. One Spirit. The Spirit who calls, gathers, and enlightens the Holy Christian Church. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. You are called, divinely called in the waters of holy baptism to be a Christian. And that call gives you hope. When we talk about hope, we talk about something that, eh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. You know, I hope it rains one of these days. It's kind of dry out there. I, I, I hope the Huskers win again in my lifetime. You know, maybe these things will happen. Maybe they won't. That's not how God uses the word hope. When God uses the word hope in Scripture, 
The outcome is guaranteed. It is a done deal. The only thing we don't know about is the timing. Your hope is heaven. Your hope is everlasting life. It is a done deal, earned by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. Your name is written in the book of life. When will this hope be realized? Well, when Jesus returns in His power and might and glory. Or when I die, whichever comes first. While we don't know those dates, the outcome, the hope, is sure and certain. One Lord. That Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is one Lord and Savior of us all. There aren't many lords. There's not a Lord for the rich and a different Lord for the poor. There's not a Lord for the white and a Lord for the non-white. These are all silly notions. There is one Lord Jesus Christ who died once and for all. For all sin, for all people, for all time. There is one Savior and one alone. And this is what the Holy Spirit points us to. Jesus and Jesus alone. One faith. One faith. We're talking here about the faith that is to be believed. We're talking about the Word of God. My friends, you can have faith in your sports team. You can have faith in your political party or hero. You can have faith in your bank account or your portfolio. And ultimately, these things will always disappoint. God has given us His Word. The faith, it has been entrusted to us. God's Word in its truth and purity. This is what we cling to. This is what we teach to our children and our grandchildren and generations yet unborn. This Word of God unites us as we cling to it with all of our heart. This faith is a united unit because God has given it to us. We don't pit one part of God's Word against another part. We humble ourselves, swallowing our human pride. We humble ourselves before the Word of God. Our one Lord says it. And that's enough. There may be no such thing as settled science in our world. But if Jesus says it, if the Word of God says it, it's settled. It's done. And we can have confidence 
that His Word is true. One baptism. There are many who would teach that there are multiple baptisms. That there's a water baptism, that there's a spirit baptism, that there are other types. My friends, this is all nonsense. God's Word is clear. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. God, the Holy Spirit, unites His Word and power to the waters of holy baptism so that these waters become a life-giving, life-changing water. It's not only an historical act that happened like 63 years ago. It is a living and active gift because God's Word and the power of the Spirit are living and active. How so? God's Word calls me to return to the baptismal font and drown and die there with all my sin and lust and pride and selfishness and idolatry and love of division and come forth a new creation created in the power and unity of God. And finally, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You know, we often talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. My friends, the Holy Trinity lives and dwells inside of you. Where the Father is, there is the Son and the Spirit. Where the Son is, there's the Father and the Spirit. Where the Spirit is, there's the Father and the Son. God dwells in you. And He works and moves in and through you. When you do a good work, it is God at work through the means of you. Just a few verses earlier in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul teaches us that we are God's workmanship. Created to do good works. Which God prepared in advance that we should, ready for this, walk in them. We're back to that Christian walk once again. My friends, today we hear God's call to action. Call to kill our pride so that He can raise up humility and love and peace and gentleness in us. A call to action so that we can keep or maintain this God-given unity that is ours. And no matter how hard we try, we can't do it. But there is one. Jesus. The only one. Who came into this world in perfect humility. King of kings and Lord of lords. He humbled Himself, taking on flesh and blood. He walked the walk perfectly all the way to Calvary. 
And even though he did not sin, he freely and willingly took our sin onto himself and into himself. All of our sin of pride, all of our sin of harsh words, all of our sin of condemnation, our love of warring and fighting and division, our love of sinning against our God-given vocations, our love of making ourselves in our own words king and rule rather than humbling ourselves before the word of God. For all these sins and more, Christ Jesus paid in full. Jesus, conquering sin, death, and the grave for us, lives and reigns for all eternity. We who are baptized into Christ Jesus live and reign with him. My friends, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She, the church, is his new creation by water and the word. My friends, today, know, know for sure and certain that this unity, that talk that comes from the church, your mother, this unity is yours. Your hope is real. Your sins are forgiven. Humility is God's gift, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. May others see that in us, and may Jesus come quickly to fulfill our hope. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our unity, our humility in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.